The Productive Woman, Episode 180. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast dedicated to productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Once again, thank you so much for joining me. In this episode, we're going to be talking about having it all. You'll find more information and links to resources I recommend and references I talk about all in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 180. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks, which is that excellent online accounting software that I personally have used for well over a year. They're offering you, as a Productive Woman listener, a free 30-day all-access trial so you can try it out, try the different features of it, and find out whether it's right for you and your small business. If you are a freelancer, a solopreneur, or running a small business where you need to track and send invoices, collect payment, track your time, all those things, you owe it to yourself to check it out, which you can do by visiting freshbooks.com slash woman. FreshBooks is so easy to use, but it's also full of powerful features that let you manage your business efficiently and effectively. Among the many features it offers are the ability to set up and send customized professional looking invoices via email in seconds. Your clients or your customers receive the the invoice in an email. They can see exactly what's owed, click a button in it, and pay you online by credit card or PayPal or different whatever you've set up. You can also, from the dashboard of FreshBooks, track the the delivery and the payment of those invoices. So you can see when your customer or client has received the invoice and certainly when they've paid it. Uh, You can also track your time and your expenses in FreshBooks, either on your computer or right there on your smartphone. So I just think FreshBooks is a great tool for managing your business finances, and I encourage you to give it a try. You can do that at no charge and with no obligation because FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to the Productive Woman listeners. So to claim it, just go to freshbooks.com slash woman. And be sure to enter the productive woman in the how did you hear about us section. Okay, so let's get into our topic. The topic for this episode was born out of a conversation in one of our productive woman mastermind groups. Uh, We were talking about making choices among the options we have, trying to balance or juggle the multiple roles that most of us as women deal with on a daily basis and, and men too, but you know, this is a, this was a conversation among women and it kind of turned into a discussion of whether it's possible to have it all. And I'm putting that in air quotes, have a strong, happy family, a successful career, take care of our health physically and mentally have friends, all those things. And, you know, some people felt like, no, it's not possible. The statement was made, it's it's not possible to have all those things. It's not possible to have it all. And I remember as we were talking about it, my n- initial reaction is was, is that right? Um, I'm not sure I think it, it is. I think it is possible to have all those things. But I think it requires thinking pretty deeply about what each of those things means to us. It's something I've thought about over the years, both the idea I've heard people say that, you know, that you can have it all and recent things that I've read and heard lately about how even now in the 21st century, women can't have it all. That raises some questions for me. What does it mean to have it all? What is the all we want to have? And is it reasonable to believe anyone can have everything they want with no trade-offs of any kind? Well, there was a lot of food for thought in that discussion and, you know, obviously in the the thoughts I've had and the conversations I've had over the years. And then um, one of the women in the group shared an article from The Atlantic that was written by Anne-Marie Slaughter, who's a Princeton University president. I mean, pr- professor, who also was the first woman directory, uh, director of policy 
planning for the United States State Department under President Obama. The article is called Why Women Still Can't Have It All, and it has a ton of food for thought in it. I really recommend that you read this article. It's one of those that it's going to take you some time. It's a pretty lengthy article, very detailed, very thoughtful Um, backed up with a lot of statistics as well as personal experiences on uh, Slaughter's part. And, uh, but it's worth reading. So, you know, grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea or whatever beverage you enjoy. And I encourage you to read that article and really think about it. And that article, uh, along with some other resources I looked at in preparing for this episode, all are linked in the show notes, which again, you'll find at theproductivewoman.com slash 180. And just kind of scroll down, you'll see links to all these articles. Definitely worth reading. So, you know, again, the topic here is about having it all. What does it mean to have it all? And is it possible? Something we hear all the time, something that's been discussed for years. And a couple of the articles that I linked to um, refer to kind of the history of where that phrase came from. And I'm not going to go into that. I, I, I got to admit that as I was thinking about this, I mean, the, the, it raises questions that are really important to us as human beings and as women. Um, and it can raise some issues that maybe can be a little controversial. And I've, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this, how to, how to address this in, in, in a way that's uh, inclusive, that is welcoming to everybody's opinion on this. And, um, and it could have turned into a two hour long episode, which I'm really, really trying not to do, but it was certainly worth, um, worth thinking about. And again, I refer you to some of the articles that I linked to in the show notes. There's a lot of difference of opinion about what it means to have it all and whether it's possible to have it all. Uh, Some say we we can have it all and we should. Some say we can't. Uh, Some say, sure, you can have it all, but none of it's going to be, you know, done very well. One example of that is uh, reporter Amy Westervelt in a Huffington Post article about kind of about some issues raised for her by her postpartum experiences after having a child said pretty bluntly, stop telling women they can have everything without sacrificing anything. Here's the truth. And I'm quoting from her article. You want to have a career and kids? You totally can, but both will suffer. You will... Uh, never feel like you're devoting enough time to either. You will never feel like you're good enough at either. You will never get time off, at least for the first several years. You will always be choosing between things that need your attention, and you will almost never choose yourself. You will be judged for nearly every move you make, and you will never measure up to anyone else's expectations. Obviously, she's, she was very blunt about that, and I, I thought a lot about um, what she said there and elsewhere in the article. Again, that's also linked in the show notes. And, you know, I don't know if I agree with everything she said. I think that some of these things we can deal with in our own minds, uh, you know, for instance, she says you you'll never feel like you're good enough at either you know parenting or your career. Well, if you never feel like you're good enough, maybe maybe we need to spend time thinking about what good enough means and why we think it means that. What if if we are never measuring up, never good enough in our own minds? I I, I think that's in our own minds. Uh, so that's one thing I guess to think about in in that. And the other thing she had to say was, you know, that you're always going to be judged for nearly every move you make and you'll never measure up to anyone else's expectations. And I get that. We all know that, you know, for decades there's been this sort of, um, I, I don't know what the right word is, conflict, competition between, say, working moms and stay-at-home moms, for instance. And we feel judged by about our choices. But Again, I think that's in our minds, and that's a place where we need to do some work on our own minds. If we're being judged, who are we being judged by? And do we care what they think of us? I, th- I think, honestly, 
you know, we're, we're, we judge ourselves more harshly than anybody else ever would. Uh, and I think most of us, most people are thinking more about their own issues than they are about judging you. But, you know, I could be wrong there. I, I think we can also learn to let other people think whatever they want without owning their opinion or taking it to heart. And that's, you know, that's a separate issue and maybe something we need to talk about on the show. Nevertheless, I think there's some value in what Westervelt has to say there, the, the point that you can have both, but there are going to be trade-offs. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later on in the episode. Many of the articles I read in preparing for this say or imply that uh, women can't have it all and that women are disadvantaged as compared to men because men can have it all. And this is something... I, you know, it, it's always kind of this this discussion of women having it all always seems to be kind of compared to men. And I, you know, I'd be interested to know what you think about this, but but I really question whether men can have it all. Again, we're going to talk a little bit more about what, what that means to have it all, but I think maybe the all that many men want is different from the all that many women want. So I'm not sure comparing is is going to do us any good. And I would also argue that maybe men don't have it all any more than women do. Now, they might be able to, say, rise through the professional ranks faster because they don't deal with interruptions in their career based on, you know, caused by pregnancy or childbirth. But... On the other hand, still in the 21st century, and there are exceptions to all of this. That's why this is such a complicated issue. But still, even now, for the most part, men seldom get to spend as much time with their kids as moms do. So men may succeed uh, professionally at the cost of time with their families, um, uh, Slaughter's article the, quotes Bonnie Ware's uh, 2011 book called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. And uh, Bonnie did work in palliative care and uh, kind of wrote this book about the things she heard from people who were in the, in the t- time leading up to their death, the, th- the regrets they expect, uh, expressed. And in, in, the book, she notes that every male patient she worked with said uh, high among their regrets was they regretted working so hard. That was actually the second highest, um, uh, most common regret expressed by these patients. The highest one being not living uh, the life they wanted, instead living a life that they thought they were expected to live. But um, the number two was this regret of working so hard, working so much. And she said she heard that from every single male patient and that because of working so much, they missed their children's youth and their partner's companionship. And that's a quote from Slaughter's article and her mention of this book. So, you know, there are trade-offs for men as well as for women. Slaughter even says, I do not believe fathers love their children any less than mothers do, but men seem more likely to choose their job at at a cost to their family, while women seem more likely to choose their family at a cost to their job. So I, I think to assume that women have it harder or are are disadvantaged in some way because men have more choices i, I would question that uh, again i'd be real interested to know your thoughts on that be sure you know I'll, at the end of the episode i'll remind you of the various ways you can share your comments on this and i really do want to have a discussion about this cuz i think it's something we need to be talking about need to be thinking about together and finding solutions and uh, f- for for the challenges that all of us are facing. In her article, Slaughter suggests that in order to make work-life balance better for everyone, business paradigms need to change. And I'm not going to go into a lot of detail here. Uh, I, again, I, I recommend that you read the article because she goes into a lot of depth here. But one example 
she gives is that businesses need to be more thoughtful about the use of technology to allow alternative work schedules and remote working. That would make it more possible for more people to have uh, the kind of work-life balance that, that they want, both men and women. Uh, she also suggests that business in general needs to be better about measuring contribution that is for purposes of deciding who gets promoted and what compensation people get, measuring contribution more by the value added and less by FaceTime in the office. And she also suggests that the business world as a whole, that women and men need to become more comfortable with a different kind of professional trajectory. Instead of expecting a steady climb to the pinnacles of power and, you know, the highest uh, position in whatever your field is, expecting that there will be ups and downs as your time is allocated between career and family and personal pursuits when and as it makes sense to the individual. Right now, she says that Part of the issue with this having it all thing is that people expect that a successful career is always on an upward trajectory, and that may not be realistic or reasonable when there are other priorities in a person's life. Uh, in in the article that I read and the conversations that I've had, I know that uh, that some have said in order for us that is women, to have it all, men and society are going to have to step up and take more of a share of the work. Uh, That is, men will need to do that. Society needs to step up to change the laws to, uh, among other things, provide free or at least affordable childcare so women can pursue the career success that they want. And uh, you know, there may be some some value there. There there's some uh, good reasons to think about that as a society, but I'm not sure that it would solve the problem. And and uh, here's another place where I'd really be interested in what you think about this. I wonder would mothers feel better at work if our children were in the care of well paid expert loving caregivers? I, I think. Yes, we'd be relieved that they're in good hands, but I think we'd still feel torn because often there's something in us, and and I'm not the only one who says this, but you may feel differently. We want to be with our children, even you know, even when we don't want to be with them. You know, we we are always. I think we're we're going to be torn, and I think that men feel this, but they feel it in a different way. So we could be relieved and grateful to know that our kids are are well cared for, but still distracted and conflicted at work and maybe a little sad because they're with someone else. Most of us, when we have children, it's because, you know, we want to have children. We want to be part of their lives. And so there's always going to be this this sort of conflict between wanting to be with them and wanting to do fulfilling work or, you know, wanting to contribute to the family income or whatever the reasons are that we have a job or a career. And uh, even if society made those changes or parent, uh, you know, fathers stepped up more and in different ways, I think the problem of, uh, for us as women needing to leave work because of a sick child, I don't think that's going to go away because I think it arises not just because there's no one else to care for them, but because we want to be there with them when when they're sick or in pain. And no amount of societal change will will change a mother's desire to comfort her child. This is something Slaughter talked about in her article, and she referred to it as a, and I'm quoting here, a maternal imperative felt so deeply that the choice that is between career and child is reflexive. That goes back to what was said earlier about that, that the observation is that women will tend to choose family to the detriment of their job in a way that as a whole, men don't. And let me just say that I, you know, these are all sort of generalities 
And there are exceptions to every generality. And I, it's not, I'm not passing judgment. I don't think slaughter does on women who don't feel that imperative either to have children or to, you know, to leave work to be with them. It's, this is just kind of setting a framework for the conversation based on these generalities that might not apply in individual circumstances. But you know, this is something she talked about in her article, that maternal imperative to care for children. So she acknowledged, and remember, this is a woman who, she's a tenured college professor. She was a dean of one of the schools at Princeton. She was in a high-ranking position, the first woman director of policy um, for the State Department under President Obama. There had never been a woman in this position before. And yet after, uh, this is what the, what kind of uh, spurred the, the writing of this article, that two years uh, af- into the thing, she left that position of power to go back home to where her family lives because her job was in D.C., her family lived in New Jersey, and they stayed there while she was doing this, this job for the president, and uh, she would go home on weekends. But two years into it, she made the choice to leave the position and go back home, go back to teaching at Princeton and be closer to home. And she acknowledges in the article that the drive behind her decision to leave that position of power and prestige and go back home to New Jersey was was that what she calls that maternal imperative. She says, and I'm quoting here, I realized that I didn't just need to go home. And let me interject that in the article, she talks about one of the things that made her consider going home was one of her young teenage sons was having a hard time in school and kind of just having a hard time in his adolescence. And and that was part of why, why she wanted to, felt that she needed to be home to be there to help guide him through that, along with her husband, who was doing the lion's share of the childcare at that time. Um, So she says, I realized that I didn't just need to go home. Deep down, I wanted to go home. I wanted to be able to spend time with my children in the last few years that they're likely to live at home, crucial years for their development into responsible, productive, happy, and caring adults. But also irreplaceable years for me to enjoy the simple pleasures of parenting, baseball games, piano recitals, waffle breakfasts, family trips, and goofy rituals. So, you know, this, this was a choice she made and the whole article kind of talks about the trade-offs and, and some of the blowback she got from leaving this prestigious and powerful position to go back home and her reasons for doing it. So I I say all that to say, I do think that it is possible to have a healthy family and a fulfilling career and take care of our own physical mental and mental health and, you know, all these various things, but it requires careful thought, conscious awareness and intentional choices. And that's some of what I wanted to talk about in this episode. Again, I am not trying to prescribe a right way of making these choices. I just think that the conversation that I had, the articles I read, just raise a lot of questions that we need to think about in order to make a life that matters as we define it. So, it starts, I think, with framing the question. When the question of can we have it all, we have to think about what assumptions are built into our thinking on these issues. Slaughter in her article says, what we assume has an enormous impact on our perceptions and responses. Fortunately, she says, changing our assumptions is up to us, but we can't change our assumptions until we recognize our assumptions. That's the funny thing about assumptions. We don't even often realize that they're there. They're just built in subconscious. These are the things everybody knows, and that's what we're basing our, our choices on, our decisions on, our perceptions of what all is and whether we can have it. And so some of the questions we need to ask ourselves in, in thinking about all this is, what is the all that we want? Um, 
if family is part of it, what is a strong, happy family? What does that mean to you? Does it mean there's never any conflict and everybody's happy all the time? Is that what you're shooting for? Or is it something else? Similarly, what is a successful career? Is it defined as, I think often we do just without even questioning it, we define a successful career by those traditional male paradigms to mean rising to the pinnacle of leadership in a field and making the most money possible. Is that what a successful career would look like to you? Or does it mean spending a reasonable amount of time doing satisfying work of some sort And what does satisfying work mean to you? I I don't have answers to these things. Let me, you know, I want to make sure it's clear. I'm not, I'm not saying I know what the answer is. I'm saying, I think these are the questions we have to ask ourselves before we can answer the question of, can, can I have it all? So what, what would a strong, happy family look like to you? What is a successful career? What's required to maintain the level of health that you want physically, mentally, whatever way. Is it, does it require workouts at the gym, developing a hard body that we can display in, you know, nice looking clothes, or is a daily walk and sensible amounts of healthy food enough? Again, there's not a right or wrong answer there. I think we just each need to answer these questions for ourselves. What assumptions underlie our perceptions of having it all? Uh, does it uh, require a, a big house that we own? Uh, does it require a nice car for each licensed driver in the household? Private schools, annual vacations to resort locations? Um, does it require, does having it all require a corner office and a secretary and, you know, people working for us? Or is it something else? What does having it all look like to you? I, again, don't think there are right or wrong answers to any of these questions, but we need to ask ourselves these questions and make sure that we, we like the answers that we come up with. We, uh, you know, sometimes I think maybe we have so narrowly defined having it all that we've limited our options unnecessarily. So it all starts with becoming truly aware and conscious of what all means to us, to each of us as individuals, what is the all that I want? And we ask all lots and lots of questions. Do I want to marry? Do I want children? What do I want that to look and feel like? Does it, uh, you know, does it, do I envision that meaning everybody individually accomplished and achieving and happy? close and loving relationships, lots of time and activities together, or maybe everybody doing their own thing and kind of cheering each other on as each person pursues their individual interests. Do I want to pursue a demanding career and achieve a high level of position and power there? What will that look like? What do I want my days to look like and what resources will be necessary to achieve that? And why do I want that? I think that's an important question that we don't often consciously think about. And so maybe it starts down with, or starts with breaking down life into its different components and thinking very honestly about where each of those fits into our uh, vision of a life that matters. So what are those components? For me, a a variety of relationships is what first comes to mind. Spouse, children, extended family, friends, society as a whole. Where do all these fit in a life of having it all? And then there are career or vocation slash avocation considerations. Where do these fit in the concept of having it all? Is it about achieving status, money, recognition, power, uh, authority, influence, autonomy, which of these things or what other things need to be present at what levels in order for me or you to feel like we have it all. 
and why. Why do we want those things? Why are we, we feel like in order to have it all, we need to have achieved, you know, pursued a certain kind of career or business and achieved a certain level of success in it, uh, making a certain amount of money, controlling our schedule, whichever. Why, why are those things important? Is it something that's intrinsically valuable to us because of our, our personal values? Or is it because of what we think other people will think of us if we have these things? Again, I, not, not p- creating a, you know, a value judgment there. I'm just saying we need, to, we need to think about those things and answer ourselves honestly. I keep wondering how much of our definition of what it means to have it all and how much our sense of lack or dissatisfaction come from our observation of others, our perception of what they have and what they do, and comparing ourselves. And so that's a question, again, I think we need to ask. Are we, consciously or not, defining the all that we desire to have by what we think those around us have or do, or what the media we consume are telling us we need in order to be happy? I mean, that's a whole other other issue, a whole other episode that the media that we consume, the pic, whether it's TV, movies, magazines, uh, you know, advertisements, the picture presented to us in the media for the most part, in the, certainly in the United States, and I, I would imagine in the rest of the developed world, it leads us to a target of being thin, rich, sexy, and powerful. We got to have all those things in order to have it all. Whether that's a realistic picture or not, I will leave to you to think about for your own self. Uh, at the same time, we see others around us, whether those close in our close circle or you know at a distance, and and we we'll you know we may look at a certain woman and we think, oh, she has it all. I need to be like her, or else I'm less than in some way. Lots that could be said about that, but I will throw this out there. We never know if the woman we perceive as having it all, the ideal life, maybe cries alone at night because of some lack or pain or trauma of her own that isn't visible from the outside. So we don't know. All we know is what we see. And and frankly, even if she doesn't cry at night because of one of these things, if her life really is as perfect and full as it appears, so what? That's her life. We each get to make our own. And I, you know, I get, I get a little passionate about this because it's something I've struggled with and try to overcome. Comparison, comparing ourselves to another person's life or another person doesn't help anyone. We still have to come back to the same questions. What is the all I want and why? And answer them for ourselves. Satisfaction with our life comes from finding our own answers to those questions. If we're defining success by reference to what others are doing instead of by what our heart tells us, I think we'll always be frustrated and sad and tired. So um, it's similarly, you know, being realistic with given your, where you are in life, knowing what all is achievable for you. And I, I don't, I'm not saying that there are limits. I'm just saying, looking at where you are and where you want to get, how are you going to get there? If all means rising to the top of a particular field and personally raising a certain number of perfect high achieving children and being beautiful, thin and fit and keeping a perfect home and, you know, whatever else you want to add to that, then we're likely going to be exhausted and disappointed from doing it all in in an attempt to have it all. So we have to ask ourselves if it's worth it to uh, to do to get all those things to try to get all those things it may be achievable for you is it worth the cost i don't know again it comes back to those questions that we need to ask ourselves and answer honestly what do i want and why do i want it and do i like the reasons why i want it and if i'm worn out from the constant consuming work of having it all or trying to have it all why? I think 
that there always are going to be trade-offs because all these things, parenting well, career success, self-care, you know, contributing to the world around us, all those things require time and energy and attention and time, energy, and attention are finite. Uh, one writer uh, in a, an article I read, uh, <laughs> her article was called, Having It All is Impossible, What Women Really Need is Balance, Fairness, and Respect. She said, we all get only 24 hours in a day, and at a certain point, we have to choose between work, family, socializing, resting, and whatever other ways we choose to spend our time. We all get to make those choices, but choices have to be made. And the choices we make among those things and whatever else, they have consequences. Um, time and energy and attention spent on one thing is uh, are not available to spend on something else. I mean, one example for me, my family is very important to me. It always has been. But when we moved back to Texas a few years ago for me to rejoin my old firm as a partner, we chose to buy property in a rural area just over 50 miles from my office. We had reasons why we made that choice. I had horses that I wanted to keep on our own property. We wanted land and space around us. Um, and those things were less expensive out farther outside of Dallas. Lots of reasons why we chose that rather than buying a, a home close to my office. But the consequence was that I had very little time at home. So I missed lots of family events. I was almost never home for dinner. The job itself demanded a lot of time, but the costs to me and to my family were increased by our choice to live farther away from my office. That was a choice that we made together as a family, but it had consequences. Anne-Marie Slaughter had a similar situation, and she talks about it in the article and about why she made her choice after two years to leave that job in the administration and go back to New Jersey. But I think a big part of the issue for her was her family's choice to stay behind in New Jersey when she went to DC to take the job. Uh, and they, I, I would bet that they had lots of reasons why they did that. And they were good reasons, but it, they were, it was a choice they made. And while the job itself was very demanding, she describes, you know, the, the things that were expected of her. It still seems like in the, much of the conflict and the difficulty um, that they experienced came, or so, some of it came from the fact that she spent most of her time in a city uh, different from where her husband and children were. Now, would things have been hard if the family had moved to D.C. for that period? Of course they would. It was a challenging job that demanded long hours and lots of travel, but still, um, if they were, you know, down the street instead of a, a long train ride away, she might have been able to be home most or at least more nights and mornings and seen them regularly instead of just, you know, for a few hours a week. She would have had an incentive to finish her work at a reasonable hour and go home. Not that you always could, but, you know, when you your family is away, there's not as much incentive to go home to an empty part apartment when there's work to be done. You might as well just stay. That's a choice a lot of us have made. I've been in that situation. If her family was closer, she would have had the option sometimes. I mean, sometimes the work schedule just won't permit it, but to maybe run home and have lunch with her family or attend a child's school event or, you know, whatever things that she couldn't do because they were in another city. And I don't mean to minimize the job's demands, but like my situation, it feel, feels like the struggles they felt were equally affected by their choices around how to do the job, how to structure her life and her family's. And uh, not a criticism at all, but it's just an awareness that the choices we make have consequences. And so a lot of uh, this issue of whether we uh, can have it all or not depends on what trade-offs we can live with. So 
for instance, it might be that choosing to have a family and be the kind of parent we want to be means that we'll advance a little more slowly than we might have otherwise in our career, or maybe make a little less money during the period of time where we're focusing more of our uh, time and our attention on our family. It might be uh, that in order to improve our personal or family situation, if we have a family, we're going to need to invest a lot of time and energy and attention for some period of time in getting a degree or taking some other steps to establish ourselves in a career. And so there will be a trade-off. That will be time and energy not available uh, to to find a life partner, to have children, whatever other things, socialize with friends. It may be that for some period of time, our, most of our energy and time are going to be spent on that. So can we live with that trade-off? How will we take care of the other things that are important to us during that period where, where we are investing ourselves in improving ourselves professionally so that we can make our life better in the long term. Another, you know, another kind of trade-off thing, it may be spending more time with your family or having more control over your schedule are very, very important to, to us. So if that's the case, will we be okay giving up the prestige or security of a job to maybe build a business that we can operate from home uh, perhaps with our spouse or and or otherwise control our schedule a little more. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to um, a website for, for Shane and Jocelyn Sams. They are two school teachers who decided they were spending too much time for them away from their children, and they wanted to, and from each other, they wanted to have. Uh, more time as a family. So they looked into other alternatives and they found a way to build an online business together that supports them and their family and so that they can spend more time together. They gave up their secure teaching jobs to do this thing together. And their website is at flippedlifestyle.com. I'll put a link in the show notes, but there's some real interesting stuff there. I'm not saying everybody should do that. I'm saying as you go through this thinking of what's really important to me, how can I get that? How... Uh, and what trade-offs will I, I be willing to make? If we want to be able to be home with our family or work from home or at, at something that's maybe less um, lucrative to begin with than the career we have, where are we willing and able to cut expenses to live on one income for a while? Uh, again, I'm not saying everybody should do any of these things. I'm saying there there may be trade-offs in one area to get more of what we want in another area. And each one of us needs to decide which of those trade-offs we can live with. I wanted to talk about one thing that could maybe get a little touchy, but this was, this came up in all these articles. And again, I'm not, I'm not prescribing what the right answer is. Just, just some thoughts here. Because a lot of these articles have argued that women are disadvantaged because we still do more of the childcare and the housework than men do as a whole. Uh, different households are different, uh, of course, but as a whole, the statistics seem to be that women spend even work that working women spend more time on house care and childcare than working men do. I would argue that to some extent, this is still our choice, that we do a lot of these things because we care, I don't want to say more, but maybe differently about those things than a lot of men do. That is, we care about the way those things are done. We want to control how and where and when they're done. And sometimes it seems, and you tell me if I'm off base here, but this is just, you know, as I've thought about this, it sometimes seems that what we mean by the men should do more is that we should get to set the standard. We should decide what should be done and how it should be done, and they should ha- do half of that and do it the way we think it should be done. Uh, you know, it's possible that what the men are doing is half of what they, whether consciously or not, think needs to be done. And I don't know that that's unfair. Um, you know, I think those decisions about standards of whether it's house care 
or whatever else, those decisions need to be made jointly. And, um, you know, I mean, one example is, I, you know, this is kind of a silly thing, but I think dirty socks should be put in the hamper and drawers should be closed all the way because I think it looks better. Now, Mike doesn't think it matters that much. So he may take his socks off and leave them on his shoes in the floor by his sink in the bathroom. Uh, you know, I might think, well, that's not where they belong. And so he's not, he's not doing his share to keep things tidy, but he just doesn't, it doesn't bother him. And it's not like he leaves, you know, 20 pairs around. It's not filthy, but uh, in any event, I've realized I care more about it than he does. So when he leaves his socks on the floor by his shoes, I pick them up and toss them in the hamper. If he leaves his dresser drawer ajar, I'll just close it as I walk by. Is it unfair that I'm having to do those things when he should, and I'm using air quotes, should do them? Well, I don't think so because I don't actually have to do them. I could leave them there and be okay with it. It's not like there's a law against it or anything. My standard on that is different from his. And I don't think it's any more unfair for me to, you know, close his dresser drawer, pick up his dirty socks, than it is unfair when he, for me to expect him to fix something that's broken in my office or uh, is it unfair when he takes my car in for an inspection or assembles my business receipts because I haven't gotten around to doing it yet? Why should he have to do those things? Well, he doesn't have to. He does them because he cares more about getting it done than I do or the timing of it, just like I care more about certain things than he does. And so learning to figure out what those standards are may lighten the load a little bit or lighten the, um, the resentment sometimes that can come when we feel like we're doing more. I, I wonder, do we have the right to impose our preferences or standards on the ones we share our home with? Do we get to be the arbiter and require their compliance in order for the division of labor to be fair and equitable between the genders? Maybe we need to look at the standards we've set. If we are working so much on top of our whatever our job is, doing so much at home, uh, maybe we just need to think about um, how much we're doing and how much of it could be done differently or where this where where the important standards are and and maybe the less important i I don't feel like I'm articulating that very well again, I'd be real interested to hear what you think about that i i and I also confess that I'm lucky because my husband does a lot of stuff around here, and he has always been a very actively involved parent in, in many, many ways. But life involves choices. I guess that's my point. And choices have consequences. And I think we get to make our choices and we should make our choices intentionally and thoughtfully. And uh, in so doing, create a life that we are happy with or comfortable with at least. And And if the changes need to be made, we make them uh, on purpose. And I, I get, you know, I've talked a lot about choices that maybe you feel like you don't have because maybe you're not, you know, you're not a lawyer or a, a senior policy advisor in the, in the, you know, government uh, agency. Maybe your job is not as fulfilling to you, but it's one that you're required, you know, you need to have because the family needs the income. And I get that. And I'm not trying to trivialize any of those uh, hard choices that we have to make or those places in life where we feel like we really don't have any choice at all. We have to take the job we can get. We have to accept the childcare division of labor that we can get. I, I guess what I would say is that we do always have choices. We may not like the consequences of some of the choices that we have, but taking that attitude, and we talked about this back, oh, God, at the beginning of last year, I think is when we did the um, um, the productive, um, the, the Mindset Matters mini-series, and we talked about productive attitudes and productive beliefs. And I really think that, that to to be truly productive and, and make a life that matters, it starts with taking ownership and realizing that we we can make choices on purpose 
to to make the life that we're looking for. So what are what are some action items here? I, I don't want this episode to be just me musing about the philosophical uh, issues around this whole concept of having it all. Um, I want this, I hope this will start a conversation because I really do want to know what you think about this, where you're struggling with this and how we can maybe help each other get a better handle on it and feel better about the choices that we're making. And so some things, practical things that we can do um, to, to, to move in that direction. First of all, spend time thinking about these questions that I've asked, because I think I've asked many more questions than I've answered. And that was on purpose because I don't, I don't think there is a right answer that applies to everybody, but spend time thinking about the questions. What do you want in each area of your life? What do you want? How do you define success in that area? And why do you define it that way? Um, what choices have you made that have created the life you have now? Can you change any of them to make your life uh, more what you want it to be? As Courtney Carver says in her book, Soulful Simplicity, know what matters to you. And when you're making a decision, ask yourself, what will support the things that matter most to you? Let your priorities guide you. And she's absolutely right. But it starts with knowing what that priority is. So spend time thinking about those questions, maybe journaling about them, you know, jump into the, the Facebook group, the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, if you're a part of that and, you know, share your thoughts there. Let's have a conversation about it, uh, about your answers to the extent you want to share them or send me an email. Um, uh, another thing you can do is have a conversation with your spouse or partner about what you want and why and how it can happen. I mean, obviously knowing first what's important to you will help you frame that conversation and know what to ask for if you feel like you're needing more support or wanting to make a change. And, and then, um, you know, another set of questions to think about what standards are you trying to live by in each area of your life? And where did those standards come from? Are the things you're spending time on really necessary? Are you sure? Is there, are, if, if you feel overwhelmed and like you're not quite getting where you want to be in any given area, where can you trade time and energy and attention that's going to one area uh, to apply it in the other one to create a, a, an all that is meaningful to you, that's satisfying to you, and that's worth the time and energy and attention that you spend on it. I think it's possible to have it all in the sense of a family we're, we're happy with, a, a career that's satisfying, uh, all those other things that we've talked about, but it starts with knowing what that all looks like and then being intentional about the choices we make to move in that direction. But what do you think? Again, I've said many times, I really want to know what you think about this, because I think this is uh, at the heart of a lot of the things we talk about in the productive woman community. So is this idea of having it all, uh, is that something you've thought about or struggle with? What does having it all mean to you? How are you managing the balance among the various elements of life that are important to you? I would love to hear from you. You can share your, your ideas, your questions, your thoughts in the comment section of the show notes, which again, you find at theproductivewoman.com slash 180. Or you can post a comment or question in the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, and I'd love to, to be part of a conversation there. If you want to share your thoughts with me privately, as always, you can email your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com. I want to say a quick thank you uh, for some feedback I've gotten recently. Um, a person whose username is It's Darling from the United States recently shared a really nice five-star review of the episode or of the podcast in iTunes saying, this podcast is great. I work solo in my home and it's so good to have this to keep me company and to keep me motivated with great tips and positive discussion. So thank you so much. It's darling. I'm, I, I appreciate that uh, encouraging feedback. 
Uh, don't forget to check out our sponsor, FreshBooks. They're offering that 30-day unrestricted free trial to the Productive Woman listeners. So to claim it, you just go to freshbooks.com woman and be sure to enter the Productive Woman in the How Did You Hear About Us section. And thank you so much to FreshBooks for its ongoing support of the Productive Woman. And that is it for this episode of The Productive Woman. Uh, As always, I really appreciate you spending this time with me. I hope you heard my heart in this, that it's uh, about asking questions and helping each other find answers that we can each individually live with. I really want to hear your feedback on this. Uh, I, I look forward to hearing from you, and I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself, and go make your life matter. The Productive Woman is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to help you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx.